Welcome back to another episode of Like Dragon Like Sun. My name is Jack Outway. And I'm Jay Outway. And this is a father-son podcast talking about all things Dungeons and Dragons. And this week we shall be talking about conditions. That's right. You may have encountered them in your adventures. Where not, I, not weather conditions. No. Well, that's an easy mistake, right? Because um, you'll adve- encounter those in your adventures. Well, we're talking about things like blinding or deafening or restraining or... Unconscious. Unconscious. Prone, charmed, frightened. There you go. Lots of them. And all these things are, uh, if you have a you know good old-fashioned Dungeon Master screen, um, they're right inside there, and, and probably for good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are... These these conditions are hard to remember for for whatever reason. Maybe it's just me. Uh, they don't stick in my brain, or it's possibly because they're all very similar. Um, they're little degrees different from each other, um, and they may not be all that helpful or good to many DMs. Well, I think there's a lot of notable ones in here, and then I think there's some ones that are like well, that's a bit curious to put here and they kind of stand out and then there's some that are just like okay well this is all just this other one but worse right um and conditions i like to use in my game besides just damage because i think if ultimately if you're just throwing damage at each other it can be interesting but i think sometimes conditions can change the battlefield which is why we like to use them right not all creatures will deal damage some will you know require saves that then put on one of these conditions yes and but here's the thing you also have to be very careful with some of these conditions because these things can get they can get quite out of control. Um, I, for those of you've listening for a long time, you know we've heard talked about even ones like how stunning strike uh, the monk's ability to stun a creature um, dramatically changes the the balance on the board, mm-hmm. and and vice versa. Um, when you hit a player with one of these. It can be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm speaking it from that direction. We're not trying to say that the conditions are broken in 5e and this is why they're terrible and you should never use them. It's more addressing something that I've seen in my games where players get frustrated uh, at the conditions and not being able to play the game. And I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. Why are half of these conditions just you don't get a turn, right? And that's a, right. And isn't that like if they're you know, not to complain and say, yes, these are broken, but they are all a little bit, they all lean the same direction. You know what I mean? Like they don't, there's not a ton of variety in what you get. It's, it's largely, you know, degrees of whether you can do something or not. Like how much of your actions or movement have you lost? Yes. I think to me, we think of, I, I, at least I think of conditions immediately as debuffs, right? They are, status effects that alter your the way your character interacts with the world typically in a negative way although there's a funny exception with invisible um these to me seem like they have so many possibilities i mean you think about how many buff spells and how many effects and you know how what can i what can i do to alter my damage output what can i do to alter my speed my jump distance my you know carrying capacity like imagine a condition or like that is specifically like um, everything is heavier. You're enfeebled, and you know, like I'm, I'm thinking here that I, I understand that we want to keep conditions fairly accessible. And five e part of it is simplifying down. And I, I wonder if sometimes the effort to simplify didn't take a little bit of the zesty flavor fun. Back in three point five, there was quite a few different conditions than we have today. So first, maybe. Could you just list some of our conditions that in sort of ascending order of, of crazy? Or even of alphabetical? Crazy. Well, here, we'll, we'll do alphabetical quickly. Do alphabetical. Blinded. I love blinded. Of course, though, this can be somewhat frustrating. Um, I think blinded is interesting because it comes up not necessarily from effects that you fail to save on, but you can just be in magical darkness or if you don't have dark vision at all in darkness and be blinded, right? Heavily obscured. You are considered blinded. It is something that can just happen because of the environment you're in, sure. which I think is interesting. That's not something and you see with other And if you're a fighter with blind fighting, it's no big deal. Sure. Um, charmed is... I, I, I quite liked Charmed. I, I can see it be misconstrued a lot of times where people think charm is mind control. 
Um, I, I've seen this time and time again where someone casts charm person and then they dictate that other person's life entirely or command them to do something that they would never do. Um, charmed creature literally just means it can't attack the charmer or target them with harmful abilities or magical effects. Now, whether that means harmful magical effects or any magical effects is up to your interpretation. I I typically say harm, you know, harmful. Um, the charmer then also has advantage on ability checks to interact socially with the creature, not charisma checks. Though most checks to interact socially are charisma, it doesn't say charisma checks. It says any ability check to interact socially, which I think is an, a unique distinction. Yeah. I would consider insight checks a, a social interaction of sort. At least I would. I think so, yeah. Um, and of course that is up to to your dm mostly social interaction takes the form of charisma but i can see the case where an insight check would be extremely useful and the fact that they're charmed is they've let their guard down and now you can tell more easily if they're trying to be a little bit deceitful or, or hiding something i think that is totally fair it's interesting um there was there was no charmed uh condition in 3.5 though there was a blinded condition oh it's interesting mm. we have deafened which i never see ever I've never seen the deafened condition unless I input it in the game. There's not been a time where it comes up. It's just, it's a very niche specific You know, one. it's so funny. Like, whenever you take thunder damage, there should be a chance at that point that you roll for, to be deafened Well, that would be a little complex. I, I, well, see I know there's, spells a, there's, there's a lot that, of extra though. crunch with that, yeah, but why, why at the same the time, thunder damage is literally sound wave damage. Sure. Like, how that isn't hurting your ears, I don't know. And there are some effects that force you to make a save if you take a significant amount of thunder or, damage or yeah. be deafened Weird. there's also effects where the, if you are deafened you become immune to some thunder damage so there's a weird duality that yeah, kind of pops suppose. up here and there exhaustion is weird because i don't even think of it as a condition yeah it's I think always it been listed as a separate one, rule right exhausted's a funny condition it used to be i mean before in 3.5 the thing is like exhausted was just one level right where now we've got six levels of it yes. right um, so yeah. I think it's weird that each level affects a different thing. Like yeah. personally, the way I've changed exhaustion is one, it's no longer just a condition that can be temporarily inflicted. It is something that is a part of your character sheet, just like your hit points go down or yeah. so, like your, your, the weight you're carrying goes up. So does your exhaustion over time. It, it can be uh, reduced. So back in 3.5, it had fatigued on top of exhausted. Sure. So they had just kept having more words, which is kind of like, oh, right. I'm glad they lumped that together. The one thing I don't like about exhaustion is how each level is a separate effect rather than cumulatively things get worse over time. And that's the way I've changed it. You might be familiar, if you understand exhaustion, as first, disadvantage on ability checks, two is speed halved, three is disadvantage on attack rolls and same things, far and far, go and go and go until your speed is reduced to zero, and then at six levels, you die. Yeah, and the biggest problem with exhaustion is that those levels are very difficult to remove. You only get to take one away with each long rest. Um, and they rarely come up. And then like great restoration, and there's a few other, couple other ways that yeah. you can kind of get rid of them, but yeah, they're tough to get it, rid of. It's so. not really hard, like to get it is, it is i guess what i'm saying it's not hard to avoid it right like yeah. well, there's not really times that you would imagine but if you're up to three point three levels of exhaustion. exhaustion it's things are getting rough yeah i uh, would argue that one i make exhaustion a little bit more common in my games um well if you interesting i've been running chase um uh, encounters right and the the chase mechanism that's in D D uh applies chase exhaustion which only lasts until you take a short rest mm -hmm. and then you lose all of it but you can get up to five levels of chase exhaustion chasing after something sure um if you're running and running and running and and that's interesting sort of mechanic that huh. again these things eventually get to a point where your your movement drops to zero and you just you're just you know your character's just there holding their knees panting <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that is one way to do it. The way I choose to handle it in my game is that it is almost linked closer with the system of death, um, and that itself does not cause death upon reaching six levels, because I don't want my character to die, or my, my players, to die of exhaustion. I feel what makes more sense for my game is that at six levels, they fall unconscious and cannot be made conscious until they are at five levels of exhaustion, or not at least not six levels, right? Um, there are some classes that extend that to more levels, but the, the thing is, exhaustion comes, one, from 
you know, staying awake too long or traveling beyond your physical limits and exhaustion can set in there. But it also comes whenever you are reduced below zero hit points. Yeah. And in exchange, you no longer fall unconscious when you reach zero hit points. That's fun. The thing is, that then works together with it, the sixth level. If you keep going unconscious, 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 or, or below, yeah. zero, below zero, below zero, below zero, eventually you're going to hit six levels of exhaustion and actually go unconscious. I, I let players cast uh, spells uh, beyond their spell slot limit for exhaustion. For exhaustion. That's an interesting. Um, so like level one spells, one, one point of exhaustion, a level two spell would be two slots. Um, and yeah, that that is obviously a huge risk or reward sort of thing, but it could be really clutch. You know, the wizard digs really deep and, you know, or the sorcerer and gets one more spell out that that saves the party. That's it's worth the moment. exhaustion, right? Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, likewise, you're, you're saying about, you know, it's a common thing for traveling, too, especially if you've, the party's gotten lost during the day and they're falling behind and you want to give them the option of being able to get caught up. They can but they're all going to take a point of exhaustion for it. Mm. Um, and then it becomes like, well, are we comfortable having our ability checks slightly, you know, off tomorrow? Yeah, well, there's the thing. My my sort of curiosity with the way exhaustion is structured is why does it affect something different every level, right? One, it's a little confusing. I mean, if you're familiar with it, you know this is what the six levels do. But as a new player, it seems a little unintuitive that everything is so specifically... Like, why is five speed zero? Why is four max? Why are these things specifically impacted? Yeah, well, I suppose they are an increasing level of bad. But... Yeah, but, like, it doesn't make sense that I was doing just fine. My movement speed, you know, technically was halved. I have disadvantage on everything. My hit point max is halved. But these are only coming in parts, right? The way I choose to roll exhaustion as is that everything is cumulative. Like, all aspects are cumulatively getting worse per level of exhaustion right so you like you lose a little movement you and lose you five lose feet a, per level of exhaustion and, like and a minus one to all checks per level of exhaustion and so each time it does that just builds and that builds actually and builds it's and that's and much builds. more you know granular and that's actually i mean that's that's just more sophisticated D. um i like it though mm. and, in that way you're, you're feeling five levels of exhaustion with you know five feet of movement on your turn and you're like woof you know well it would yeah i suppose it would only take it by five levels of exhaustion though you'd still have lots of characters who could still move well again, if they were very that's fast the whole point, right if monks if, if you're things. very fast but again a monk previously being able to go at 50 feet and now being able to only go at 25 feet they're going to feel it right yeah. um i guess is what my my idea is and again that's getting to higher levels and if that's their that's their point right is that monks are you know physically well trained to the point of exhaustion they can keep moving right yeah. would be my argument there and that is the advantage of having a higher movement speed well you could always uh, again, after three levels of exhaustion check, right? you so. could do minus 10 at four and minus 10 at five as well you could like up the granularity a little bit yeah so that it got to whatever that would be 35 or something that's the way i should choose to deal with that um, is there is there anything on you, we sort of talked about exhaustion in in three yeah so three and a half exhaustion was 3. just 5. a thing um, and it was it just halved your movement and well like you halved your movement and you had a penalty of like minus six on strength and dexterity um, but not other stuff just those two yeah and after a one hour of rest the exhaustion becomes fatigued fatigued was a lighter condition actually not a greater one fatigued was. Uh, you can't run or charge and suffer an effective penalty of minus two on strength index. Um, so it wasn't nearly as sort of bad as exhaustion is now. Um, I like the way it is now, though. I, I Again, this is, you know, I think to our point, we don't think that 5E is broken on this. We think that, you know, just as a DM, if you've got your head around it, you can make it a little bit more, a little bit more granular and just sort of, you know, find ways that, yeah, and actually, it's kind of nicer that way as well, because in some ways, yours is one level exhaustion has got, it's not just ability checks, you're right, then all of these things suffer just a little bit. And that's actually even more as a player, because sometimes as a player, you're like, I don't need to do ability checks, as long as I can swing my sword, we're good to go. But suddenly you're like, well, no, your sword's going to be a little worse. And Everything so is going to be a little worse. And then you have to like, like, oh, I don't know if I want to lose a little movement. I don't know if I want to lose a little everything. Mm. And yeah, suddenly exhaustion becomes a little a little bit different. I, yeah. And also you're like, oh, what does each level do? It makes sense. Yeah. You know, each level is going to be is all just, of these you, things. You know exactly what it's going to be, right? Yeah. 
um, which is also what I sort of like about it. Yeah, that is actually nice. That's a good way to do it. The next one is Frightened, at least for me in this alphabetical list. Yeah, right Frightened, here. Frightened's, always, Frightened's been around for a while, and Frightened's one that we, we use a lot in the game, right? Mm. If you're a... If you're a cleric, you're turn undead, essentially. It is, does not frighten people, but it turns them, which is a really weird it's distinction. It's a version of frighten, though. Yeah, so but turn is turns a different condition. It's, like hmm. it's not even a condition. You want to know why it's written that way? Why? Because a lot of undead creatures are immune to being frightened. Interesting, but they are not immune to being turned. Exactly. But they behave as if they're frightened of you. Although some undead do have turn immunity as a feature. Yeah, yeah, just that's a bummer when that happens it's a, again getting into D D like counters to your specific moves like i get why it exists but to me it's like come on yeah, it doesn't show up that often but once in a while if it does it's i mean it's okay that there's occasions yeah, where your your superpower doesn't work everyone needs a kryptonite moment yeah, again i um, my experience is that turn undead already is rare and so to make even that <laughs> oh uh, first time we've seen undead in like 15 sessions let me pull it out and oh it's immune well, if uh, if you're the DM who does that thing to your cleric, well, you're just mean. I mean, yeah, well, that's what that's what you, I think. Yeah. And we have talked about this before. You've got to create moments yeah. for your your characters to shine. Yeah. If everything in the crowd when he does that turns, except the one thing in the middle that well, didn't sure, good, that didn't that. seem so scary, but now does seem scary, mm. or the thing that almost seemed comical, like it was some you know tiny little pixie zombie thing and you're like it's <laughs> so cute and then it doesn't turn and then you realize that actually it's like way tougher or something like those mm. are moments of like that you can invoke like panic and fear in your your party where you can you know flip something on its head i don't know there's fun ways that you do that that they can both shine and also have kryptonite true moments. i mean that's how, how how i would suggest to run it if you have a creature like that um but say they do survive and suddenly now they turn that fear back onto your party with the frightened condition. What does that look like in 3.5? Uh, it tries to, it's a, it, it's a, now frightened in 5e doesn't always mean you move away, right? Sometimes under certain times where your spells are cast on you or whatever, you do both. You are frightened and you try to move as far away as you can on you, your turn. Whereas in 3.5, it was like that. You, uh, the frightened flees as well as it can. If unable to flee, the, the creature may fight but suffers morale penalties and other things that we just don't have anymore. Mm. Um, but yeah, so frightened typically now is a lot, it's basically just about I can't get closer to that thing. And I've got disadvantage on any attacks I make towards it, right? Um, frightened now, yes, imposes disadvantage on all all ability checks and attack rolls while you can see your source of fear. Ah, so it's not all specifically of it, to that creature, but as limits. long as you can see it, you got disadvantage on those two things. Right. Not saving throws, though. Um, you'll see it's rarely in conditions that saving throws are put at disadvantage. Typically, that is because conditions are put on by saving throws, and so yeah. a condition making saving throws harder to resist that same would condition. Would double down on it. And yeah, it would make yeah, it more cascading and more failure. Um, although I think sometimes it could be interesting to mm -hmm. add, like, Typically, the condition will be inflicted by a certain type of save that is different from the, the other save it yeah. tries to debuff, like a effect that would require a wisdom save and then debuffs your strength, for example, right, is what I would suggest to try and so maybe overcome that. There's a few in the alphabetical order here that um, that 3.5 had that we don't have now. There's one more thing with Frightened is that you can't also move closer to your source of fear, not that you have to run yeah. away. So there's an interesting yeah, difference exactly. there. Um, so there's a few things that we we don't have anymore that are kind of similar. Mm -hmm. There's cowering, okay, where you, the character was frozen in fear, losing you know dexterity bonuses to AC. Oh wow, that's an interesting one. Um, and foes would also gain a plus two to hit you, and so I mentioned cowering in a sense because it well first of all there's like there's a whole cowering thing that kobolds do which is really lame yeah um and doesn't make any sense and i wish they didn't do it um and actually because of tasha's you don't have to do it anymore well, I thought, no it's morden canons right? yeah yeah your kobolds are actually fixed um but this idea that that again as a slightly different condition to frightened you mm -hmm. have uh you know there's a a way that you're still in the action you can still move closer but that your you know, the fear is is making it easy, much easier for you to be hit. Um, and I think this goes to your point a little bit about, you know, trying to find some other granularity so that because a lot of these things, these conditions like 
for me, frightened is a, is a tricky one because it's, it kind of, essentially, it messes your movement up. And again, it just halves your ability checks and attack rolls. It gets the same thing that we kind of see again and again. Where this other one was a little bit more about AC, and I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to do it, right? Um, often you'll see these specific debuffs happen in individual monsters. I don't see why more of those couldn't be turned into more general conditions. And I have my own list of conditions that I've created as well that I think fill some little niches that we don't really have in the game. Um, for but, example? Uh, for Well, do you want to get into mine? or do Just, just for one. Just All right, I have one because my players are really into... Um, the idea of doing damage over time. Right. And I think something missing, perhaps it's a little gory, but I think it's an interesting thing that is in a lot of games that we don't really see in D&D is the idea of bleeding out, right? Or the yeah. idea of wounds that fester and sure. cause damage to yeah, you yeah. persistently um, unless you treat it, right? And so I've created the condition bleeding that affects that cause it. Um, the damage is not, you know, static or singular but it's determined by the effect that causes bleeding and bleeding lasts um, some effects allow you to repeat a save um, some creatures naturally perhaps can close up their wounds otherwise you're going to need some bandages or ways to stop the bleeding and it's that simple it's yeah. not like it reduces some amount of bleeding it reduces all bleeding if you use a bandage and use your action to to patch yourself up that will That's cure your bleeding. healer kits are for baby exactly um, I have my own item of bandages that also do other things, but that is one of their uses. Yeah, well, counter just, that specific that's just condition. about you, you sort of breaking the healer's kit down into sort of some, you know, yeah. things that are a little more specific. Healer's kit's such a general term. It's like, mm. does nobody ever says what's sure. in it. Yeah, well, um, I've, I've made that more specific. The thing I like about a bleeding thing, though, is that while, yes, it could take your action to remove it, it doesn't need to. Right, you'll see this with some spell effects as well as things that might ignite you or set you on fire and do damage over time. You can, or even acid, you can use your action to wipe it off, or go whatever. I'll take the extra damage and keep your turn going. Hmm. And that is sort of what I like is in conditions to almost give players agency about how they want to interact with it sure. rather than take it away, which is what we'll see with some of these upcoming conditions. Yeah, there's one other in here that I wanted to sort of mention, which I thought was sounded kind of fun. So. Um they had one called Dazzled. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, you were unable to see well because of overstimulation of eyes. So it's not really blinded. Huh. Um, it's Dazzled. And you basically just had a minus one penalty on attack rolls until the effect ends. That's funny. Um, but it's like light being shone or flickered in your eyes or things like that. It, it you know gives another way. And there's absolutely no reason as a DM you can't, if you have that sort of little thing in your head you realize yeah i'm just going to give like i'm I'm this flashing light in the player's eyes is going to give them a minus one to hit and you just make that table rule as you go and i think players are going to get go with it if like you know the situation you know is is fair um minus one's not that big a deal but it's it was just a nice little sort of way to sort of think oh yeah you know as we tell the story in combat, combat gets very boring sometimes. It's just roll the dice, you hit something. But if there is things like you're being dazzled by the lights bouncing off of, uh, you know, a bright orb or the water or something. Um, anyway, so I, I think that's sort of one of, uh, and I like the word too, dazzled. Uh, that's sort of one of my favorite ones from that. Mm. Um, next up on, on the 5e list is grappled. Yeah, and that's been with us for a while. And it, that's a really important one. Um, but I think people confuse grappled and restrained a lot. Yes. Grappled is like a step down from restrained, right? Yeah. You can do it. Anyone can really grapple things. And that's sort of an interesting thing. A lot of these conditions, you can't really do it to monsters, right? These things sort of happen to players where grappled is an exception where anyone can, when they take the attack action, replace it with the attempt to grapple another creature that is not a size larger than them has to be equal to you can, size. It can be one size larger. Or it can be two sizes larger or smaller. No, right? so no smaller is easy. Smaller going down is fine. It's fine. It just yeah. can't be too You larger. can't grapple up to a point. But if it's two sizes larger, you can climb onto it. It's true. Um, and that's exciting. We'll get into that another day. But grappling a creature turns their speed to zero and doesn't allow it to benefit from any bonus to speed. So if you're grappled, you can't move. The condition ends if the grappler is incapacitated. So the person grappling you, you can end it pretty easily if the person who's grappling you. Usually it's not a... And this this is interesting the way it uses the word the grappler, just like you'd see the attacker. I'd be interested to, like, in certain effects, 
that grapple you but aren't a creature, you'll see those are often more referred to as restrained, right? Yeah. Grapple is usually a creature grappling you, right? You won't see ropes grapple you. You'll see ropes restrain you. Um, if you if something gets knocked down and you grapple it, it can't get back up. Very true. That's something people don't realize. If you've knocked, if someone something has knocked this creature prone and you want it to stay prone, you don't have to go prone to grapple it. You do not. You could pin it down with your foot I or guess. however you want to flavor it and prevent it from standing up. Yep. And then everybody gets to keep whacking at it with advantage. Yeah. Of course, your friends at range will be a little bit bummed, but yeah, they, they can get, come in close. They can right? shoot something else if they um, want. They can, yeah, just target another creature. The, thun the funny thing, though, is Grapple has a another way to break it, right? In the condition, it tells you how to break free of it. Yeah. Normally, people will be like, oh, you can use your action to try and break free from the Grapple. If you're a martial class, I would not suggest doing this. I would suggest that you take the attack action and replace it with the shove action. And this is because in the rules, it says any effect that removes the Grapple creature from the reach of the Grappler yeah. or the Grappling effect um would end the effect like you missy step out of it you can do you can thunder like wave because thunder wave pushes yeah. creatures back and that yeah. would push you out of its range um and shove can push a creature away from you yeah and if you're a fighter or any sort of martial class that gets multiple attacks you now have multiple attempts to try and break free from your grapple rather than that one action try and break free which so many people seem to do well grapple is actually a special attack so you can use it for each of your attacks no, though I'm saying you can replace shove with multiple attacks because shove is also a special yeah. attack. So right? you, you, yeah, um, that's, what that's my, true. My point is, um, there's a little bit of a mechanical problem in Five E with grapple, though, and any contested skill check has this same problem. That what happens on a tie, right? Well, a tie, the condition stays the same, but that's not even it. That if you are contesting something that even if you're really good say you've got like a plus nine bonus against something that's only got plus one um that's that should be an eight point difference right that's 40 percent. like you should be winning those grapples no problem um but the contested rules don't really work that way and there's a you can google it and go look it up the math on it when you're rolling d20s against each other in adding even something as big as a plus eight gap between them produces a lot more opportunity and results for failure than if it was say against a set dc right like eight plus the creature's strength modifier mm -hmm. or 10 plus this character's strength modifier even you want to give them a bit more of a chance even so a plus one creature then would be an 11. And if you've got a plus nine, you need to roll. You're only going to mess this up on a one, right? So you're good to go. Whereas if it's contested, there's a 50% chance that you roll below 10 and they roll above 10 and they win. Yeah. I see this as like a, another complaint with D&D in 5 as a whole is that the skill bonuses are so can be often so small that the d20 ultimately just determines the outcome, which I'm like, okay, well, one, if you don't like that plan of the game, two, I think that randomness is a part of the game, and if you're introducing so much rolling, then there's almost, like, you're I kind suppose. of getting rid of that. Like, but if you are trying to build to a roll, right? Yeah, I mean, if you are trying to build a grappler, and there's a lot of rules in here that mm -hmm. sort of encourage you to want to build a grappler, there's sure. some cool stuff until you start digging into it, and you realize it doesn't always work out very well. It, Given it, that creatures can, like that are escaping gain the benefit of choosing yeah. athletics and acrobatics, and they're acrobatics it's hard and they're to weaseling out of nerf it. someone because then they're just going to use the other one, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's fair that both exist. I think that it makes sense that pe they can try and break free with athletics or acrobatics. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it should be, it could be again a saving throw or even an ability check against a set DC. I would change it in my own games that the grappler has just a set DC based on their. Just like when you're attempting to hide or attempting to whatever you yeah. make, and that's when you roll, right? That's when you roll. It's and against that's the initial thing goes, as well. Yeah, right? like uh, uh, if you hide, it's basically against their passive perception, right? Mm -hmm. It's your stealth roll versus passive perception. So why wouldn't grapple be essentially passive athletics or passive um, acrobatics? Right. For the players, I would always have them roll. For my monsters, I would just use their passive. It would be a DC almost, right? Think about it again, just sure. like a pathless, like you said, a passive athletics. And if they have a bonus to it, then that makes that passive athletics score higher, right? Yeah. Um, one, it makes running those things a little bit easier. I know some DMs like the 
contested skill checks because those rarely happen and they can be fun sort of like tense moments of who, mm. who rolled the higher I, number I, right but it does after looking at the research release, right? i don't i don't think it's fair to players i think sure. you make your players feel like heroes if they're a grappler again give them a chance to shine let them grapple something yeah i see um, that i see both and i almost think as well that let them let that first thing even be a uh, a check against their opponent's passive acrobat or passive athletics, athletics. Yeah. make the first one a pure strength thing the thing then that's trying to get away yeah it can use its dexterity to weasel out of something to wriggle free that's fair but i think that first one rarely does somebody decide to build a really great strength build that gets into like grappling if somebody's going to commit to that you got to give them a chance like yeah. the game is not really beautifully designed to to let strength shine um give it a little extra love it helps i think mm, it's true um i also helped that tip of using your attack action to try and shove a creature instead of breaking a grapple was useful to some players yeah um also if you're a caster that has ability to push things around like a telekinetic ability i know many people now wizards are taking the tele uh telekinetic feat use that it is your bonus action use that right away to try and push them away from you before you engage in trying to use your action to break free from the grapple and maybe you can then still get a spell off um grapple doesn't prevent you i believe i, I believe it's only restraint that prevents you from from doing somatic components so you can still cast a spell like thunder wave yes, to push people away from you unless we get to the more extreme version of this which is restrained and i think we'll go back to our alphabetical in a second but i think this is relevant because we're sort of on this and you'll see some conditions are really just building on each other um as we get into sort of the looking at the incapacitated stunned paralyzed unconscious those start to be scaling levels of the same thing in a sense yeah um, but and before we get to that yeah can we talk about restrained okay um same yeah. thing where speed becomes zero and you can't benefit from any bonus to speed the difference is, is that that effects that will typically sort of push you out of grapple, they don't work anymore, right? You can't just break free with an athletics check unless your DM allows you. Typically, there's a strength save now. It's, it's made into a strength save. Also, things are worse in general. Attacks against you have advantage, and your attack rolls have disadvantage. All attack rolls, not just yep. melee, everything. You also now have disadvantage on dexterity saving throws. And like you mentioned, saving throws are a rare one to see get nerfed. I also, in my game, it's disadvantage on uh, other dexterity checks as well. That makes sense. Um, the thing that isn't mentioned here and that we sort of brought up briefly before is that spellcasters are unable to perform the somatic components of spells while they are restrained. You can't gesture and move your hands or your body in a way that lets you provide the somatic components. It's just a part of the rules. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because there are monsters out there that, well, when they hit you, they automatically grapple you. And there's some, when they hit you, automatically restrain you. Mm. And there's some spells that restrain you as well. Yeah. And there um, is a way as a player you can restrain yet, another creature with yet manacles. The grappler feat is so out of whack with everything it uh it gives you this whole other thing where if you are grappling someone if you're grappling somebody you can you can introduce a new condition it's not even listening anywhere else called pinned no that's not what it says i'm pretty sure no it's, it says you restrain the creature but you are also restrained it, yeah so it I, doesn't use it pinned. does actually use the word term. well yeah. it says you pin the creature but it doesn't say um, the creature it, becomes it, pinned with i guess it actually just, does it in it italicizes i'm pretty sure let me just have a bring it up here no, no, no. i i remember it being that you can restrain the target at the cost of you also being restrained which is a little bit uh yeah to, okay so it's not, it's not italicized but it says you can use your action to try to pin a creature grappled by you to do so make another grapple check okay that's fine we've done two and if you succeed wouldn't it be great if it was restrained but it says both you and the creature are both restrained so it takes you completely out of your combat situation well, it means you can't move you can't cast spells with somatic components all attack rolls against you will have advantage all of your attack rolls have disadvantage um again except against this creature which will be zero zero right um zero sum game if it's advantage advantage all cancels out and you have disadvantage now on deck saves at the expense of the creature now after failing two checks suffering the exact same thing that you do yeah I, I, really feels lopsided it does feel a little lopsided 
Um, one way to remedy that, like within a, there's probably a more um, elegant way of doing this. Just make it so you're grappled and it's restrained. Yeah. So, and I think that's an interesting point. So basically now you can't move with them, mm-hmm. but they're restrained. Yeah. And that's like, I'm like, okay, that's a good trade. I'll take that. Yeah, rather than um, sacrificing everything. everything. Yeah. Oh, it's, that one really hurts me. Uh, yeah. Makes me sad. Uh, the nice thing though, is that if you've done this and then you drop to the ground, but perhaps before you do that, because um, your speed is zero. Technically, can you drop to the ground if your speed is zero? Could you fall prone if your speed is zero? Sure, but you couldn't get up again. Hmm, interesting. Because it takes no movement to drop prone. True. I guess it's just you. Just prone. Like... Prone, by the way, is another condition. Yes, we'll get to prone. You want to go to prone now, or? Yeah, well, we're talking about it. Um, or is there anything unrestrained in? Uh, there was no restraint. It was held. I see. Um, it was a subsection of grappled. Held characters are subject. And it's funny it said characters as well. The wording on things were funny. Like, I'm like, right, characters. just characters. Get, so creatures can't get yeah. held. Um, held characters are subject to enchantments that make them unable to move. They are helpless. And that's a whole other condition. Um, they can perform no physical actions, but they continue to breathe. <laughs> Which is great. Okay, Good news. Cool. Good to know. Um, yeah. Helpless was another condition they had. Um you know, bound, held, sleeping, paralyzed, unconscious characters were all helpless. Um, and that's, you know, it's a whole level of sort of grit that we didn't need. Yeah. Um, with prone, your only movement option is to crawl. This is interesting because people, people a lot don't of crawl think, enough. Yeah, people, one, don't crawl. They're like, oh, I stand up and run. I'm like, yep, yeah, now you get shot again. Yeah, it's true. Um, if you are at a distance, everything is very far away from you, and it won't just run over and hit you with advantage. Staying prone is often a better option because now those range sure. hits have disadvantage against you. You do crawl at half speed. Well, it's the same as spending half your movement than Absolutely. walking. Absolutely. Except that on following turns, you'll have your full movement back, right? Sure. Now, you could stand up, run 15 squares, and drop prone again if you wanted. Or you could crawl 15 feet. I think crawling is just cinematically more funny uh, and interesting in... Again, it's more tactically advantageous to stand up, make an attack roll, not with disadvantage, then drop prone again, right? Yeah. That would be... Well, and this is that kind of sense. an annoying thing. Like, here's the thing. For snipers, in in any real-world situation, laying on the ground, lining up a shot, and shooting. Okay, now, let's face it. We're not talking about crossbows here because mm-hmm. with a regular bow and arrow, this probably doesn't make sense. But, um, but with a crossbow, why couldn't you lie on the ground... And have actually like a really good shot from that position. Yeah. That should be a f- special feature on crossbows. But that's sure. a whole other episode on the idea of giving some weapons a little bit more differentiation. Yeah, a bit more uniqueness. Although crossbows already get the advantage of being able to be used underwater. But Yeah, that's fun too. Mm. Which comes up like again, what, in once every 40 sessions? Whatever, um, right. Um, that's not the only thing that prone does though. It only, not only forces you to crawl. Again, I like how it says the only movement option doesn't say you can't walk. It says you can't fly, you can't burrow, you can't, <laughs> you know, you can't swim, you can't climb while you're prone. You can't do any of those things. Um, not only that, uh, you have disadvantage on attack rolls, all attack rolls. And attack rolls against you have advantage if the attacker is within five feet of you. Otherwise, the attack roll is disadvantage. I think this is especially interesting with creatures with reach weapons. At first, I thought, oh, melee attack rolls have advantage. Nope creatures within five feet of you have advantage if you are going a crossbow to someone right next to you if they are prone it's a straight roll because typically you'd have disadvantage from it being a hostile creature within five feet of you but since it's within five of you five feet of you and you're prone you have advantage and so it cancels out yeah to give you a straight roll which is i think at least quite funny um and so if you wanted to do your point blank fighter i would suggest first attempting to shove them if you are into that and then hit them with the range attack within five feet that no longer has disadvantage. Yeah. Or, of course, you optional back, Optional so. DM rules, uh, DMG uh-huh. rules, allow you to shove aside as well as shove backwards. Mm, yeah, and as a DM, I'd say, yeah, definitely let people push in whatever direction they want. Well, I'm sort of talking about shove to knock someone prone. Yeah, right? well, to knock them down. But I just wanted to point that out as well, that there is yeah. a shove aside option that mm. can also change um, how you might want to strategize your, your... I just like the idea of putting these a few more things like this into your combat just to add more flavor mm. um if if nothing else yeah and he's also interesting that characters can 
have the ability to again this is something that players can do to other creatures everyone has the ability to shove yeah so and, and, to, can and you can knock people prone it's it's really a good move mm, it is a great move um finally uh this would be good for avoiding it used to be troopers. called interestingly enough it used to be called knock down knock down right? knock down okay uh depending on their size a creature can be knocked down and it can even be by winds or uh by other forces but interesting Mm. Knock down, knock down, and actually the wind one is followed up by this also one called blown away. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's really strong wind that's blowing me away. <laughs> Where now you're just pushed, right? Which makes sense to have that. Seems to make more sense to have one term for it all. Yeah, I like that. Um, something that I'm, I'm perhaps less fond of, at least in particular situations, or I think it's abundance uh, in D and D, is the incapacitated and its yeah. many evolutions. Um, which is the next if we're returning and, to our And this order. actually confuses e- the, even the best of DMs. We, You and I sat and watched Matt Mercer spend a whole evening with his elite troop of actors getting incapacitated wrong. And the whole comment section, all the critters were like losing their minds. Yes. And it's not, I think that he, I think he was, he just missed. It was a misnomer more yeah, than it yeah. was a because he was of the he rules. was using a different he was using something else like he was using paralyzed yeah I think it was he like, really should have been using incapacitated or, or he was he, yeah he was saying incapacitated when he, he meant, meant paralyzed, paralyzed. Um, not that he was applying the rules of paralyzed to incapacitated well let's start with the base what does incapacitated do uh, not much you just lose your actions well, and reactions it's a lot actually actions includes bonus actions so what essentially it means is. You still have your movement, that's but you can't take any actions. That's about it. You can't take any reactions. So all you can do on your turn is move. But that actually is really important because often things that are making you incapacitated... Don't want you to move. They're, yeah, or, or it's an area of effect, or it's something that if you get far enough away, you, can you recover. Yeah. And... This is, I think, one of the biggest misinterpretations of incapacitated is that people will be like, oh, you're incapacitated, let's skip your turn. Well, exactly. And I you're like, no, move. no, no, I get to move. And that movement is critical. It can be super important because I can, or I can just run away for help. I can do anything. I can escape the battle. You can still um, say things. I can still say things. Your speech I can, is not altered. Yeah, it doesn't even say anything about your speech. that happen at the start of your turn yeah. still happen, especially if you can make choices with that. I'd say absolutely. Effects that happen at the end of your turn, you still get to choose and do as well. Like these things still happen. It's just there's no of these actions or reactions. And there is things that are outside actions and reactions that players get to do. Of course, there are free actions. The free actions are object interactions. You can draw a sword. You You can, can, yeah, yeah. but you can't use an object because that's a full action. Well, depends. But there's things like an opening a door. You can open a door. That's different from even though technically you are by definition using an object. That is not the use an object. Yeah, use action. an object is different. Like use an object is like a is like oh use a potion, like drink a potion or things action, like that. Right? Or often because you use an object. But yeah, opening the, a door again. It is a bit. You of can pick up something off of a table uh, as you run past. But you can't pick up something off the floor. But which you you could well you could move a chair. You could push a table. You could, yeah, you could flip a table and create cover. Um, I would love that. And then fall prone behind it. Yeah. I mean, all those things could happen while incapacitated, which is crazy because the word incapacitated in the English language kind of doesn't mean that. It means, kind of, well, it, it means you're yeah. really out of it. It means you're kind of like debilitated, right? Deprived of all strength and power. Yeah, I, I kind of think incapacitated is a little bit of a, I don't know if there's a better word for it mm. really but one more interesting thing with incapacitated if i'm to say it right now for spellcasters if you're incapacitated you lose concentration on yeah. your spell you can't concentrate automatically on there's no even if it like did some damage then incapacitated you if you are incapacitated or again any variation stunned paralyzed unconscious all of it boom your concentration spell is down it's just a part of the part of the rules um so you, as a caster you really want to avoid being um being restrained being incapacitated or any of its variations yeah of course i'd like a condition that is called silenced which would prevent you from speaking um there's one that makes you speak falteringly but the rule like on that if you can still do verbal components i think is shaky um talk to your dm about that um and we'll get to that in a second next one alphabetically is invisible which is weird that it shows up here because it's not like it's not a bad thing it's like the one condition that is technically yeah good. well and it's an odd one because uh it could it w- once you include this then you start to recognize actually there's a ton more conditions 
In fact, we have a whole bunch of condition rings that we have for putting on minis on the table. And those conditions could include hexed or cursed or sure. blessed or, uh, you know, any sort of thing yeah. uh, inspired. I mean, those things all are magical conditions that sit upon you for a specific period of time and there's different effects that do that same thing to you and those I mean, conditions can about, be ended if somebody true. loses concentration the thing about invisibility is that it is fairly general or if you and attack. that then the effect can sort of change it where hex is very dependent on what kind of effect hex to you because it can be so different right sure invisibility we understand it's the same thing always well, people can't see you. there's two versions of it yeah i mean people can't see you and it's broken the minute you do nope. anything attacky that, nope, or that's not true the condition itself doesn't say that. No, you're right. It's just that first low le lower, lower level invisibility spell does that. In most effects that turn you invisible, we'll say that in the description. Yeah. As Greater invisibility though, lets you like walk around yeah, and beat people up. As a condition, up. though, um, all it means is that you are heavily obscured for the purposes of hiding. Mm. Only for that reason. For the purposes of hiding, you are heavily obscured, although you can still be detected by any noise it makes or any tracks you leave. It also says it is impossible to see without the age of aid of magic or a special sense. It doesn't say what the special sense is. You'll see it by reading things like true sight or blind sense yeah. or whatever. And right? so, the, and here's the thing: you um, tremor sense even. So you can still attack creatures who are invisible. Yes, you can. And in fact, if you know where they are, doesn't well, mean and this you is just it. Are. I mean, the unless they're hiding, they're not. They're not impossible to detect. Your location can be detected. It says you can yeah. be detected for by the purposes the of hiding. They're heavily obscured, which is great because that means you can hide. Because mm -hmm. um, you need to be, unless you've got some special ability, you either need to be heavily obscured or. Let's say though, and in my games that equals three quarters cover. So sure. Let's say though, for the or it can be in fog or it can be in right? a bunch of things. Theoretically, you're in an area of silence. You are invisible, and there's no tracks being left. It's not a place where tracks are left behind. Right. Right. We're not in like snow. Um, how would a creature de de detect your location? They can't. Right. That makes sense to me, right? Yeah. Um, and so at that point, it would just be a shot in the dark of trying to guess where you are. Sure. Again, though, in without those things in place, my blindsight fighter knows exactly where that is. I love are. this, though. Is a, is a, this is something I, I've seen in, in... I've recently been playing Dark Souls, and there's this one boss that it turns invisible, but you can see its footsteps. Yeah. I think this is something that DMs should do more often, is that the enemy turns invisible but they leave behind little hints that perceptive characters can pick up on sure right high passive perception oh you notice those little tracks in the snow yeah. well, you have survival proficiency like you've got like a plus six in it or something again you're that equates to like a 16 passive survival like sure. just that you, you definitely can follow this thing's movement everywhere it sure. goes and that then rewards uh, unless it, it very specifically wise. unless it very specifically takes an action to try and hide itself sure you know it climbs a tree gets off the ground it does something that allows it not yeah. to even climbing a tree though shakes a tree so it gives you like a clue that it's probably up in the tree yeah. right and that's why where the disadvantage on the attack comes from hmm. um, um yes because you don't know exactly where it is or where to best hit it um you have a disadvantage in the attack roll and because you can't see it and dodge out of the way of its attacks or so the the, the thinking goes it has advantage on attack rolls against you um, I think that's it doesn't again doesn't specify weapon attack rolls melee wet range whatever no matter how far away it is from you it mm -hmm. has advantage on that attack roll against you right um, good old invisible it does mess invisible. people up it I think we also it, it becomes more of a superpower sometimes than people yeah. make it out a to bit be. like charmed does I think we, yeah. uh, we give it more power than it necessarily has um, although it is again very good condition I love invisible um, next up is paralyzed and this will I, I think perhaps before we go to paralyzed can we have a look at um, in, stunned yeah which is the next one sort of up in the order of things even though after. technically paralyzed doesn't say you're stunned it does a lot of the things that stunned does anyways yeah. um stunned creature incapacitates you see the condition it says there you'll see that it then this starts to mess people up because they're like okay well this condition inflicts another condition and does this condition right okay let's that's fine you can't move so speed zero so that thing is removed Again, you can still ob interact with objects. Your turn is not completely done. Things that happen at the start of your turn still happen. Things that end happen at the end of your turn. You can pull out a sword still. Um, and you can also only speak falteringly. Can't move, again, could be interpreted to mean you physically can't move your body. Yeah. Or it could mean you can't take any movement. 
the thing that I think would be an argument that you can't make any movement is it doesn't say your movement speed is reduced to zero. It just says you can't move, which would indicate to me rather than saying that your speed is zero and can't be increased like the way grapple says, you physically cannot move your body. That to me seems like a more convincing argument for that perspective, in which case you physically can't do anything on your turn except for things that happen automatically at the start of your turn. Things like a an aura, like a paladin aura you could still benefit from, or things that would still let you benefit from things at the start of your turn yeah. you could still benefit from, right? So in, in 5e, there were, or 3 and a half e, uh, there was a condition called staggered, which actually had to do with more about taking how much damage you took. But the idea was on it that um, you could only take partial action on your turn rather than full action. Like you, right. you wouldn't lose the whole thing. See, incapacity takes everything from you, action-wise. Well, again, we've discussed the things it doesn't take from you. Sure. But, but I'm sort of thinking, like, uh, it would be nice if there was one more little middle ground in here somewhere before we just lose, like, all these actions. Sure. Like, what if you could only take either an action or a bonus action or movement. or a reaction. No, I guess reactions happen on somebody else's turn. Well, but, like or something. You know what? I, you know what or I say a movement. That. Or you take one of those three. But that you want you want a response for that? There's a spell that does that called Tasha's Mind Whip. Right. And it's not a condition. It's just a very specific spell effect that lets you. And I think would radically change the way we think about incapacitated stunned is if instead of again removing all agency, it makes you determine how you. You, you interact as a character. It, again, doesn't necessarily give you more agency, but leaves you attacked a, a small portion of your dignity rather than take everything away from you. And and you get to continue to tri- contribute to the story in some of way. Course. In a way that makes sense to your character. You're like, oh yeah, sure, Mike, I may be knocked to the ground, but somehow, you know, I can't move, um, but I can still keep swing taking a swing each turn. And that's what the barbarian does. You know, he just stands there and you know unable to sort of run away or do anything but he just you know keeps on swinging sure. um and even if it's just one attack per turn or something like anything that still gives you that sort of otherwise it's just like oh and with that one tiny con- incapacity condition now you're you're just running around sure um which running around like i said that can still be good mm-hmm. but when i trade that sometimes yeah for an action for sure like, then suddenly dodging makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. My speed isn't zero. I can still take a dodge. And if, even if that's all I'm doing, at least I'm protecting my protecting myself, right? Yeah. Um, that's, I, I would argue that's totally fine uh, by my books. Stunt not only does that, though. It removes, it, it lets you only speak falteringly, which I would also potentially argue uh, hinders your ability to provide verbal components for spells. Um, it also, you know, makes you automatically fail strength and dexterity saving throws. Yeah. Auto-fail. The weird thing is it doesn't do that for ability checks, right? So you could still try and escape a grapple if you're stunned, but you can't resist a fireball. Yeah. Which to me is like, okay, that's a weird reason I can't specifically do ability checks. I don't get that. Um, also, attack roll. That's also a part of why the grapple system is so weird yeah. because it's so different that it just people overlook it when they're writing the rules, right? Um, and then also finally attack rolls against you have advantage. So it's even worse all attack rolls against you have advantage. You can't move. You can't do anything. Again, this where's that? Where's the granularity? Where's the granularity? Like advantage is a huge step. Well, actually, interesting question. Could you fall prone? Uh, Would you let a stun yeah. player on their turn fall prone? Yes, because it doesn't require movement. Falling prone doesn't require movement. No, I think that's a fair point as well. I would let that happen. Um, Although you're, I don't know how much better off you are falling prone. Well, now everyone. If they are shooting at you, you, I suppose. They're going to advantage on you anyways, right? At least now it's a straight roll. Straight roll. But again, to your point about how exhaustion is just a little bit better if you just break it down to like little pieces each time. Mm. Um, What I'm saying with the idea of incapacitated and then stunned and is is they should be more a little bit more incremental so why are we jumping straight to everything having attack like advantage on attack rolls i mean i know it's a fun easy metric everybody likes rolling the extra dice yeah but i don't think that's what the bad part of the condition is but but you know yeah you know i agree but i'm just saying like you could because as we see these things ramp up from incapacitated to paralyzed to stunned to paralyzed to unconscious unconscious each one of those should have petrified. have a little bit more added on to it, right? Like they well, that's kind of how what they try and do, but it 
Yeah, it, but if it felt more like, like you were your example of exhaustion, where each one it did all the same things and it just got a little bit worse well, that's each what time. It does too. But. Well, it jumps. I think it makes a big jump right away to like you're out of it. Like honestly, from like once you're stunned, it's like you're in trouble. And this I think is it's an interesting, and it's a troubling point for for monsters. I, you know, I mean, I know everybody I, who plays a monk says, "Oh, you know, the stunning strike isn't that good." But it's like a, a, a sort of address that. I think as we've read three point five, we saw how it was almost unintuitive for exhaustion to have multiple conditions that are worse. Yeah. I think that the incapacitated system is the same way. Why do we have all these different names for these effects that practically do the same thing but worse each time? Yeah. Right? Why can't it be, again, like you say, a degree of thing, a level of. And it would be easier to remember right? the names of them and what they do and how they work. Like right now, it's hard to keep all these things straight. Again, saying that you gain two levels of paralysis, what does that mean? Right? But, <laughs> what like, does that mean? I, I could see that being a concern, but I, I think that moving towards a system like that could make sense. Yeah. Um, next on the list, speaking of paralysis, uh, a para paralyzed creature is even worse than stunned it's all yeah. the things you can think of stunned but even worse you're incapacitated and can't move or speak at all so there you go no verbal components whatsoever none that you'd be able to cast spells anyways attack rolls all are going to have advantage on you and when they do hit with that inevitable advantage mm -hmm. uh it's a crit if they're next to you yep and that sucks a whole lot yeah um it, it's weird that only if they're right next to you all reach right. weapons don't gain the don't, benefit i guess i, I and you know what <laughs> For the most part, range attacks are stronger than melee, so yay for melee fighters sure. uh, in this one. But yeah, mm. again, it doesn't say melee weapon attacks. It just it says attacks within five feet of you. So again, <laughs> that point blank crossbow. Bolt I suppose is if a straight roll. A straight they roll. And, then, and if yeah. they hit you, it's a crit. So there you go, and they automatically fail strength and dex saves, just like stunned. So I think but it not is checks. a worse version. Not checks, which That's it should say checks as well, but it doesn't. Again, I don't know what you think. A paralyzed they, creature can a paralyzed, resist being grappled. A paralyzed creature can make a, can make a strength uh, check? It's so what? dumb. No, they can't. Um, the next, also potentially you could say a next level up from that, is petrified. Um, which is a very unique one as yeah. well that we we see that almost like more magical again like yeah. you know you're being turned into stone or ice or, or a, yeah something. A, a solid inanimate substance typically it's a stone uh your weight increases by a factor of 10 and you cease aging which i think is an interesting mm. weird thing there um also all non-magical objects are transformed i sort of feel but like not the magic not the I, magical ones i do magical feel like petrified carries over from way back like first edition ideas sure. and it's very i think if this is very like fighting medusa sort of um vibes to it it's always sort of been around there's other creatures that can turn you to stone being turned to stone would like suck bad but again the idea of it being part of the adventure to unpetrify somebody mm. um is kind of you know I think I'm like an old, old part of D and D and it's still in here because of that. Um, I like the things that petrify you for a short amount of time, or at least whenever you introduce it, it's such an extreme condition that they give you like multiple saves to try and resist it. Yeah. If you ever see that, it'll be first you're restrained, then you make another save. And if you make another save, then if you fail that, then you have one minute before you become fully petrified. And then if, if you're cured or do if something happens in that one minute, then you're okay. It gives you a huge window the entire combat that you can try and even perhaps a little bit after combat to try and get rid of this potentially game-changing effect. Yeah, this uh, in 3.5, the petrified character is not dead as long as the majority of his body remains intact sure. he cannot move or take actions of any kind not even mental ones his strength and dexterity scores are effectively but not actually zero uh he is and it's all he 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 and him yeah, in here uh he is unaware uh around uh, things that occur around him uh if a petrified character cracks or breaks but the broken pieces are joined with him as he returns to flesh he is unharmed there you go um a petrified means you're incapacitated, can't move or speak, and are completely unaware of your surroundings. It's interesting Even though worse. that in five E there's no rule, there's no extra little uh, bit on there. What happens to you if like a piece breaks off? True. Attack rolls against you have advantage. You automatically fail strength and dex saves. Although attacks within five feet of you aren't auto crits, so interesting there. Uh, you get one benefit in that you have resistance to all damage, so that's interesting. Um, and also, you're immune to poison and disease, although poison and disease already in your system is suspended, not neutralized. Very specific addition there. Um, funny. Finally, I think in this chain, uh, we are nearly hitting the hour mark, but there's unconscious and there is poisoned. 
Yeah, um, poison comes up a lot. It's uh, often very temporary. Um, yeah, poison, I think, is one of my favorites in that it is super simple. Just disadvantage on attacks and ability checks. Yeah. It can be devastating, but usually it doesn't last for too long. I know, and it's 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 funny how actually how people take is. poison damage a lot but won't be poisoned. Or they'll be poisoned and then don't take any poison damage. Yeah, I think those two things, two things should get two tied together a little bit mm, more. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, if you if you take poison damage, you I don't know. It's in one extra roll to say we'll make a Constitution save. Yeah. And if you fail it, then you're poisoned for mm. D4 turns or something. Yeah. Let's do unconscious, and then I'm going to talk about my, my one brief sort of like summarization of why i think conditions sort of lack a little bit and then how i would i choose to change it yeah. or fix things or how i can just perhaps for your own game your own needs to maybe expand upon them if you've been a little frustrated with the lackluster nature of conditions unconscious is the same as incapacitated you can't move or speak you're unaware of your surroundings just like petrified except you're i guess not made of stone uh you drop whatever you're holding which is a unique one i think yeah. that could be a condition in itself just making someone drop what they're holding well disarm is um, a thing but an extension of frightened even uh, and you also automatically fall prone um so there's another condition there you are now incapacitated and prone um and unconscious uh the creature automatically fails strength and deck saves again doesn't automatically fail checks so technically an unconscious creature if you're can, asleep you can make a uh, can dexterity your, check you can make an acrobatic check to escape your grapple that's why grapple is so dumb um attack rolls against you have advantage makes sense and just like paralyzed you any uh, attack within five feet of you crits you so what's the difference between unconscious and paralyzed well unconscious can come from just hitting zero that's what happens you fall prone automatically you automatically drop what you're holding you're not aware of your surroundings um that's it those are the only differences um from a gameplay standpoint um but of course things that say when you fall unconscious descends there you go there's also things like that. You'll also notice a lot of features say they end early if you become incapacitated, which I think is also really interesting that such a low condition can end so many effects. Yeah. Um, and that usually those effects then don't come back until you have a short rest or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. And that wraps up our, our per, you know preview of all the conditions. I think something that the conditions rely on very heavily is the advantage-disadvantage system. Yeah. They there's no incremental small amount of penalties or bonuses like I would suggest with doing exhaustion. Exhaustion is just straight up now you have disadvantage on ability checks. It's not like a little minus one that gets worse over time. It's boom, disadvantage. Oh, it's level three, disadvantage on everything now, yeah. right? Um, there's nothing that affects the damage yeah. output you have. Um, blinded is literally just you automatically fail checks and now advantage is advantage. That's it. A charm is all about now advantage. Um, and that's okay. I think that's the, what I'm saying. The like having having these ideas, having these like right? having a few more sort of granular sort of pieces in there that are or something different, not yeah. not the same thing every time. If it's granular, then we're just having the same condition over and over sure. and over and over. Or have things okay. Worse, what right? are some of the different things we can affect? Right, you could have something that's that exactly affects, I mean, say, right? armor class. Sure. Or you could have something that affects. What else would you like to affect? I, I think why why we automatically go to zero movement speed? Why can't there be like sort yeah. of freezing condition that slows, slows you, down you down just a, a little bit? Right? Yeah. Is there something that we can do to alter how much damage you output? Um, it's something that maybe yeah. uh, gives other creatures resistance to the damage you deal, or has all the damage for melee attacks or ranged attacks, or yeah. uh, is there things that can you know make certain specific checks you have at disadvantage, like? perhaps not outright blinded but now you have disadvantage on perception checks yeah, or like your that one that passive we're perception dazzled. is, is whatever, right i think that could be interesting i think um again your melee re or like the range of all your effects is decreased why would that be that's something we could play around with um something that affects specifically intelligence saves right or your memory or i don't know other things that we can think of petrified like there's not necessarily a gameplay effect of you being stone physically yeah. except for what this describes here why can't we have an effect that like you have troubling remembering things because of this condition yeah you have you know you're un unaware of what is happening why why can't there just be a, a condition that makes you unaware of your surroundings but sure not ev everything else that's kind of what blinded and deaf and try to attempt to do right or things where you but, are where you're dazed like say if you're a wizard or something that casting a you know that you're the mental fog above you means you know you can't cast a spell over level five for 
you know, one round. Sure. And then that is um, another kind of silence. But again, so then I'm not, I'm not also like, not completely sure. taking away your agency. I'm just taking away your biggest spells for one round. Or how about we go even more niche effects that prevent you from casting abjuration magic Ooh. or whatever. <laughs> we go school specifically. And these wow. then become things like you look in individual creatures and there's a point where conditions can become too niche. Okay. And this, right? this stuff too. Now we start talking like this. You also have to recognize that this is crunch. That is great for D and D players who know, all the different schools of magic and which spells are which and you're playing with players who get that but you know somebody new to the game this is going to just well too much um and i agree if you want to add some new conditions these are some that i use in my game that i really like um bleeding is yeah. damage over time uh burning is like i imagine someone being on fire yeah it, it, it and is, we do have in... we do have like oh you take fire damage and sometimes you last for a while, but often it doesn't. Yeah. And yet, you know, why not? Why not have it last a little bit longer? Burning yeah. does sound like fun. And given how many flame-based spells are in the game, why not? Yeah. Uh, burning does damage over time here and also imposes advantage on your ability checks. It's like, and it's the equivalent throws. of, it's the equivalent of poisoned. Sure. Right? To, to poison damage. Yeah. yeah, why not? Um, freezing, like I mentioned before, reduces it to 10 feet uh, and also can impact your deck saves which i think is a perhaps not disadvantage again make it a, a roll a die they subtract from it so it could almost even stack with disadvantage i think that's an interesting approach uh there's one in, in my game i take a next step up from frightened um to haunted some effects will haunt you um and prevent you from regaining hit points as well as frightening you um as something like oh god that's the next sort of level up impacting your ability to heal i think is interesting yeah um, also i have a mechanic in my game called stress and haunted is almost like this idea of damage over time with stress that you yeah. accumulate stress over time um shaken is a, an, a super easy one that re prevents your reactions and poses disadvantage and attack rolls and this is one that there's plenty of ways that players can do this to creatures they can shaken a creature you can make be, you cause a creature to become shaken and the final one i have which is a very niche thing is staggered and i have this is something that players do to themselves when they take risk i think there used to be one called staggered as yes well. in, in 3.5e and this is different from that staggered um but it is i have a, a essentially system in my game where you can make a weapon attack that is extra special called a signature attack but if it misses as a consequence you are staggered and then the next hit against you counts as a critical hit which then ends the staggered condition um but doesn't do anything else right yeah you're no other, not otherwise debuffed sent off balance although you could be for specific effects if you wanted to go extra niche with you know more specificity or with characters or whatever right but my point is try and introduce conditions that suit the rules and the home rules you make for your own game that go beyond just taking away player agency but changing the way players interact with the yeah. rules and that's the bottom line of this you know try to like, keep your players engage at the table yeah. the minute you render somebody incapacitated they're going to pick up their phone and tune it from the game i mean yeah, it's not true. and it's it's and you don't want that you want to you want to oh, still possessed is another one yeah. you want to give them options that they can keep playing and yeah they have to be a bit more creative now hmm. um and that's i think part of the fun of the game that you know you don't always have all your powers sometimes you're you've been limited for whatever reason and you got to work creatively around that hmm. that's the fun of D D. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, give them challenges. Don't just take them out of the game. I agree. Well, folks, that was a, a longer episode than I think either of us were expecting. But this is, I think, a, a definitely a, a big topic and an important one at that. Yeah. People gloss over how important conditions are. It's such a um, key part of the game, really. And how they're sort of hidden on D&D Beyond almost. I, I, at least I appendix find Appendix A. I appendix mean, A. Jeez. Like, there, it's, it's an appendix. It's not in... Like, why isn't this like a... Part yeah. of the front part of the book of the DM's guide. I mean, yeah. it's it's important. Uh, this is such an important part, and talking about it with your players in advance of how you're going to handle these various mm. sort of conditions and situations, because it's it is going to be something you're going to need to then role play, yeah, as well. So, yeah. All right, folks. I hope that has helped, and uh, have a great week. Bye bye.